Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. And welcome to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Once alive and as always, coming to you live from the state of Michigan. This is your host, Brother Harold Muhammad. And just to let you know, just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. does not mean the city of Detroit has lost its soul. I can tell you without any shortness of sight. It certainly has not. Here in part four of our drive to study, understand, and report back, I will look at COVID-19, the virus, and the commercial mind control used to push the untested and unvalidated mRNA vaccines. It is also our hope to follow up with an Ebola update. But let's get into the meat of tonight's program. Before we begin, we're going to start off with a little bit of Phyllis Hyman speaking the words that are from my heart to my loves. No one can love you more. You're all I live 
Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. This past April, as we begin to seek and find information with regards to the COVID-19 disease, we also began to look more closely at the COVID-19 vaccine, this virus. Well, Peter Doshi this past April asked a question as he laid out some interesting facts. In April of this year, Pfizer and Moderna announced efficacy. And there we go again with this word, efficacy. Well, let's take a look at something here before we pursue forward. Why did they choose to use use this particular word, efficacy? It's not a word that most people typically hear. So the persons that you're speaking to in the general public don't know what it means. The word efficacy means the ability to produce a desired or intended result. So a good way to understand this word is there is little information on the efficacy of a particular thing. There's little information on the ability to produce results the intended results, the the desired results. Thus, the word efficacy has been used. So, Pfizer and Moderna announced their efficacy results at the six-month mark from the phase three trials of their respective COVID-19 vaccines. Albert Barola, the CEO of Pfizer, said that the company's data confirmed the favorable efficacy and safety profile of their vaccine and positions the company to be able to submit a biologic license application, which simply means a license to distribute application to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. It was on May 7th it formally initiated that application, which, if successful, will earn the Pfizer BioNTech product, BNT162B2, the distinction and the identity of becoming the first COVID-19 vaccine to be approved by the FDA. But let's not forget something. All COVID-19 vaccines currently in use in the U.S. today are available under the emergency 
access only. Now, when something is for emergency access, that doesn't mean it's something that must be and is necessarily used. It's an emergency access. Access means it's there and it's available, but it doesn't have to be used. Simply because you have access to something. I have access to a million dollars, but I don't have a million dollars. It's access. The situation is similar in Europe, where four COVID-19 vaccines have been granted conditional marketing authorization. And look at the change in that language. Conditional marketing authorization. Marketing required that is something that's for sale. But it doesn't mean I have to buy it. It's for sale. Conditional marketing authorization. Conditionally made available to sell to you, which is a fast-track mechanism that can be used in emergencies. These can be converted into standard marketing authorizations, pending positive data from authorizations. But this has not yet happened for any COVID-19 vaccines being admitted. As hundreds of millions of people around the world get vaccinated, it may seem like some a term that is used now, wordsmithing. And for those of us who don't understand, I'm going to give you a definition for wordsmithing. You know, somebody who puts the proper spin on things. Wordsmithing means the making of changes to a text to improve clarity and style as opposed to its exact content. So you're putting the proper spin on something to make it sound one way when it quite feasibly and is actually something else. A wordsmith. A good writer is a wordsmith. A good copywriter for news stories is a wordsmith to make a murderer sound like the great protector. I had to shoot him and kill him because he was a danger to society, because he was black, driving a Cadillac. I don't own one. What's he doing in this neighborhood? I don't live there. Well, maybe he makes more money than you and can afford the Cadillac and live there. But you decided he shouldn't be there. Therefore, when you pulled him over, you killed him. Wordsmithing. He who controls the flow of information dictates take the language or wordsmithing used to describe that situation. Okay. So, it may seem like wordsmithing to highlight the fact that none of the COVID-19 vaccines in use are actually approved through an emergency access mechanism known as the Emergency Use Authorization or the EUA the products being rolled out still technically remain investigational. 
fact sheets distributed to vaccines are clear. There is no FDA-approved vaccine to prevent COVID-19. Let me say that to you again. For all you Nimrod defunct, non-English understanding, factoid revisionists, knucklehead Niedermeyers. And yes, someone's going to say, I shouldn't be using all these expletives in this particular manner to describe your ignorance. I'm going to say it again. There is no FDA-approved vaccine to prevent COVID-19. The approval authorization distinction is often misunderstood by the media, even in the scientific press. But it was the focus of much discussion back in September of 2020. With large phase three trials by Pfizer and Moderna well underway, and the November U.S. presidential election looming, many worried about the political pressure resulting in the rollout of an unsafe or ineffective vaccine. Let me say that again. And do I need to talk about you non-aligned listening, malfunctioning factoid freaks who go along to get along? and just do as you're told. With large phase three trials by Pfizer and Moderna well underway, and the November U.S. presidential elections looming, political decisions were made. Not health decisions, political decisions. Many worried about the political pressure resulting in the rollout of an unsafe fact, ineffective fact, and an unknown function of a vaccine. That, too, is fact. The FDA had already come under fire, accused of bending to the White House and granting EUAs, the White House under Colt 45, for two COVID-19 treatments hydroxychloroquine. And for those of you who do not remember, hydroxychloroquine is not effective for doing anything other than poisoning people. So if you don't remember what the hydroxychloroquine is, I'm going to tell you. Hydroxychloroquine is used to prevent or to treat malaria caused by mosquito bites. COVID-19 is not malaria in any way, description, or fashion. It can treat and prevent malaria. Sometimes used to treat lupus and arthritis, not respiratory and cardiac conditions. Okay? So the two treatments that we use early on, which the White House says use, 
was hydroxychloroquine and convalescent plasma. Now, what the hell does that mean? Convalescent plasma. Again, the vast majority of people have no idea what the hell that is. Convalescent plasma? There aren't many doctors that can tell you what convalescent plasma is. They just don't know. So, I have a responsibility to let you know what convalescent plasma is. Convalescent plasma is a therapy which uses blood from people who recovered from an illness to help others recover. Okay. At the time of the usage of the hydroxychloroquine, nobody recovered. Well over 96% of those who contracted the COVID-19 virus remained systemic and hospitalized on ventilators and dying because they didn't even know what it was that was killing them. They had no idea. The term COVID-19 was not released to define what this stuff was until almost three, maybe four weeks after it presented itself and began to spread that it was identified. That being said, let's continue. We got to bust up this ignorance of some of these neo-maxis and Those fears largely dissipated when the FDA published a guidance document in early October outlining its expectation for the EUA. According to documents, at least half of a trial's participants would need to be followed for at least two months. This alone made it all but certain no vaccine could cross the line before the elections. So was a health decision made or was a political decision made by a political machine that, by all known accounts, is holistically dysfunctional? The FDA also stated it would want a vaccine at least 50% effective with a confidence interval reaching no lower than 30% against a primary endpoint of preventing the SARS-CoV-2 infection, also known as COVID-19 disease, of any severity. Parameters it had previously defined as necessary for approval even for non-clinical parameters like manufacturing quality, 
the FDA characterized its expectations for the EUA as very, very similar to those for approval. So the question is, six months? Is it enough? One key difference between the EUA and approval, which is also legally defined as its licensure, and which for vaccines is known as a BLA, a biologic license application, was the expected length of follow-up of trial participants. Unlike its clear articulation of two months for an EUA, the FDA has not committed to a clear minimum for approval. Cody Meinsner, a professor of pediatrics at Tufts University and a member of the FDA's advisory committee, was quite curious in his question. He said, and I quote, Is it possible to predict or estimate when conditions of safety and efficacy might be satisfied for BLA? Dr. Meisner asked at the agency's December 10th meeting which had been convened to consider the FDA's first emergency authorization for the Pfizer vaccine. It was Dorian Fink of the FDA who responded, and he said, I quote, I couldn't predict, but I will say that we typically ask for at least six months of follow-up in a substantial number of clinical trial participants to constitute a safety database that would support licensure. Well, we all know from factual news reporting that six months after getting the virus, many people died. And many people died within six weeks of contracting <coughs> SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 also known as COVID-19 virus. So six months? What a stretch. An approval based on six months of data would represent one of the fastest for a novel vaccine in FDA history. Among the six first-in-disease vaccines approved by the FDA since 2006 Pre-licensure pivotal trials were a median of 23 months in duration, according to the recent study of FDA documents. 23 months, so two years. Six months also seems substantially shorter than previously conceptualized expectations. A World Health Organization, a WHO expert group on COVID-19 vaccines, which included FDA regulators in August of 2020, called for follow-up until at least month 12 or until an effective vaccine is deployed locally. To at least 12 months of review, 
another group composed of industry and academic authors similarly wrote in October of 2020, and I quote, we recommend longer-term follow-up of all participants for at least a year after randomization. On paper, the phase three studies by Pfizer, Moderna, and Janssen, the secret code name company for Johnson & Johnson, are all of two years duration. But FDA officials' position on minimum follow-up before licensure is unclear at best. In its formal guidance last June, the agency said that for licensure applications, it wanted participants followed for COVID-19 outcomes for as long as feasible. Ideally, at least one or two years after the first injection. But the same document states that safety assessments for serious and other medically attended adverse events should be studied for at least six months after completion of all studies vaccinations. Longer safety monitoring may be warranted for certain vaccine platforms. So mathematically, that means to me, if they're talking ideally at least one to two years after the first injection, and then those those documents and that evidence studied medically for adverse events for at least six months after completion of all the study vaccinations, we're looking at a minimum of 18 months to 30 months before any licensure to supply a deadly vaccine is released. So, when asked to clarify its guidance, is asking for follow-up of at least six months or one year, a spokesman for the BMJ quoted saying, we do not have any further information beyond what is in the guidance document. In other words, they do not know what this stuff will do. They have no evidence to formally say this, that, and the other thing. So, we're traveling through the world advertising and marketing a product unblinded and without a control group. So there is nothing to say for safety. Duration or prote- of protection is not the only question that longer placebo-controlled trials can address. 
they also addressed vaccine safety. And I quote Philip Krauss of the FDA, who explained last December, he said the following. Very often, it is the fact that we have that placebo-controlled follow-up over time that gives us the ability to say that the vaccine didn't cause something at a longer period of time after vaccination. So now they're depending on the placebo group to provide evidence of something, which makes me wonder how many other things did they make a determination on based on the placebo group and not the evidentiary evidence presented by those actually receiving something? I think the FDA is holistically compromised. What about you? Do you think the FDA has lost its primary responsibility and duty to the American people? and had bowed to the winds of political expediency? Any answer outside of the affirmative makes you a neo-maxi Zunduidi as well. Stephen Goodman, the Associate Dean of Clinical and Translational Research at Stanford University, told the FDA in an invited presentation last December, once a vaccine is made widely available and encouraged, maintaining a double-blind control group for more than a nominal period is no longer in the investigators or the regulators' control, and undue pressure to do so may undermine the entire vaccine testing procedure. Were they warned? Were they told not to do what they did? Oh, hell yeah. Mr. Goodman's recommendation was to rapidly convert the trials into crossover studies, enabling those on placebo to get vaccinated and vice versa while maintaining the blind. The company's challenging or challenge the feasibility, calling it erroneous, and a crossover never occurred, therefore wiping out any evidence of ineffectiveness and efficacy. The BMJ asked Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson's hidden secondary cousin company, Janssen, what proportion of trial participants were now formally unblinded and how many originally allocated to placebo have now received the vaccine? Pfizer declined to say, but Moderna, with politically correct language, announced that as of April 13th, all placebo participants have been offered the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, and 98% of those received the vaccine. Uh, 98% of what number? Well, it's 98% of two. One in seven, eight? Come on, now. 
how many people? So in other words, what they're saying is the trial is unblinded and the placebo group no longer exists. Sounds more like a way to hide evidence than to bring things out into the open. Johnson & Johnson also told the DMJ, we do not have specific figures on how many of our study participants have received a vaccine at this time. But the company confirmed it was implementing an amended protocol across all countries to unblind all participants in two phases, in its two phase three trials. The earlier of which phase passed the median of two months follow-up mark in January. So you made a decision based on two months of data and people you can't identify. Holy bejesus, Batman, you've got underwear on? I thought you were a man in tights. Those are just long johns. How the FDA will waiver loss of blinding and placebo-controlled follow-up is unclear. But just months ago, the agency said these trial properties, these trial properties were vital. Continuation of placebo-controlled follow-up after the EUA will be important and may actually be critical to ensure that additional safety and effectiveness data are accrued to support submission of licensure application as soon as possible following an EUA. Once a decision is made to unblind an ongoing placebo-controlled trial, that decision cannot be walked back and that controlled follow-up is lost forever. This is according to documents released by the FDA itself this past October. But I'm seeing a process here. The American people were used as guinea pigs unofficially and not without their knowledge, to test a product that nobody knew whether it worked or not. The entire American population, get vaccinated, do this, do this, do this, and you don't know what you're getting. But you dingleberries are out there getting vaccinated either way. How much? Are you willing to endure? How long are you willing to be calves led to the slaughter? How long? I would like to say not long, but evidence has shown clear that how long is still long before you do right about what's wrong in your own lives.
to protect yourselves from the liars. How long? Seems like a very long time. To me. So why the rush? Why this Operation Warp Speed to get so many people vaccinated? The USA's Warp Speed delivered on its promise to get a novel vaccine into their arms in record time. It was President Biden's really first major policy decision. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Everybody likes a good joke. Get vaccinated. Millions of doses of vaccine are being administered daily across the U.S., making clear that lack of FDA approval is no longer a barrier to access. So just what benefit is there in seeking and granting a BLA? I go through the legal process of getting a BLA which then gives the person the right to seek compensation for when things go wrong. For a licensed product. But because these products are not licensed, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the money changers are making money hand over fist with no amount of accountability for the numbers of people that are going to die or suffer extreme reactions that would actually debilitate human life. There is no recourse. The BMJ asked the manufacturers why they were seeking a BLA. Moderna did not respond. Johnson & Johnson only confirmed it attended to apply for BLA in late 2021. Pfizer did not answer, but instead quoted an FDA webpage on medical devices which stated, Sponsors of EUA products are encouraged to follow up the EUA with a pre-market submission so that it can be remain on the market once the EUA is no longer in effect. But EUAs have no built-in expiration or expiry date, in fact. Fourteen EUAs for Zika, as in Zika virus, for Zika diagnostic tests remain active despite the public health emergency expiring in 2017 for the Zika virus. They're still in effect. Again, Dr. Cody Meisner told the BMJ he saw some distinct advantages of a BLA over an EUA. An approved vaccine, for one, will provide an element of assurance and accountability, increasing public trust in the vaccine, particularly for those currently sitting on the fence. It will also pave the way for claims of vaccine industry. 
to be routed through a more established compensation program. And for adding the vaccine to government-funded schemes to reach children in financial need. Are we seeing the trail of the octopus here? Follow the money and you find the beast? Finally, it may affect the potential for vaccine mandates. It is unlikely these vaccines will be mandated while an EUA is in place. Remember that currently these vaccines are still considered legally experimental. While under the EUA, an increasing number of educational and other institutions have already mandated vaccines, but debates over the legality of these actions has hinged on the distinction between authorization and approval. But approving a vaccine in order to legally support mandates or convince people of its safety arguably puts the cart before the horse. Dr. Meisner responded that a BLA would not be issued until the FDA is convinced of the short and long-term safety of these vaccines. So in other words, the FDA went along to get along because it was politically correct to do so under Code 45, but issuing a license to produce and distribute They're not necessarily willing to take that step out there because then they become the focus of litigation. So no new biodistribution studies for COVID-19 exist. Vaccines exist right now. Officials have consistently emphasized that despite shaving years of traditional timelines for producing vaccines, No compromise in the process was taken. However, one type of study tracking the distribution of a vaccine once injected in the body was not conducted using any of the three vaccines currently authorized in the U.S. Red flag for any medical professional. Such biodistribution studies are a standard element of drug safety testing, but are usually not required for a vaccine, according to the European Medicines Agency policy, the EMA, which adds, and I quote, however, such studies might be applicable when new delivery systems are employed or when the vaccine contains novel adjuvants or excipients. Now, this word, adjudivance, I want to give you a definition for this word, adjudivance, A-D-J-U-V-A-N-T-S, adjudivance. So what does adjudivance mean? Adjudivance, by definition, means is an ingredient used in some vaccines that helps create a stronger immune response in people 
receiving the vaccine. So adjuvant is an ingredient, a substance which enhances the body immune response to an antigen. Okay. So when the vaccine contains novel adjuvants, it is referring to the mRNA process. A synthetic medication carried by polyethylene glycol, which is already known to cause extreme allergic reactions to well over 80% of the American population because it's a poison. It's petroleum. Basically a plastic shell which the body cannot break down because the body is reacting to the P-E-G, polyethylene glycol, is causing a immune response to that, which then also attacks the, MR, the RNA aspect of the virus or the vaccine, becomes they compete. Thus, the vaccine is ineffective. It causes the response to cause a fight, and then fights what it caused to have happen in the body. The other word is excipient. Now, I know I use these words, so I'm going to give you a definition for these words. I'm not going to leave you hanging out there floating in Never Neverland wondering, Brother Harold, what the frog hell are you talking about? Well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going Excipient, by definition, is an inactive substance that serves as the vehicle or medium for a drug or other active substances injected into the body. Again, it is referring to the synthetic material used to produce the mRNA vaccine. Okay? Let's continue. I'll come back and I'll start where I left off at again so that we're on the same page now that I can define the words for you. However, one type of study tracking the distribution of a vaccine once injected in the body was not conducted using any of the three vaccines currently authorized in the U.S. Therefore, such biodistribution studies are a standard element of drug safety testing, but are not usually, but usually are not required for vaccines, according to a process used by the European Medicine Agency, which also adds, however, such studies might be applicable when new delivery systems are employed or when the vaccine contains novel adjuvants or excipients of which the mRNA vaccine can be defined as in all of its aspects. It is full of adjuvants and excipients. In the case of the COVID-19 vaccine, 
regulated accepted biodistribution data from past studies performed with related, mostly unapproved compounds that use the same platform technology. Johnson & Johnson told the DMJ, its COVID-19 vaccine leverages the same technology as its Ebola vaccine, which received licensure last year. Quote, our confidence in our adenovirus vector AG26 is based on our experience with this vector. Pfizer and Moderna did not respond to the BMJ's question regarding why no biodistribution studies were conducted on the novel mRNA products, and none of the companies nor the FDA say whether new biodistribution studies will be required prior to licensure. Brothers and sisters, dear friends, dear listeners, supporters, and even you naysayers, how much more do you need to learn? How much more do you need to know before you make the stupid choice of accepting this poison into your body? How many ways can you be told that there's something wrong? How much more time do you need and how many people more need to die before you are then able to stand up on your own two feet and say, you know what? I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this crap anymore. I'm going to wait. Are you that weak-minded? So, after all of this information has been released, Peter Dawson put certain ideas of these with this commentary. Let's take a look. I lost my place. I think I lost my place. Okay, here we go. In his footnotes, he wrote, Competing Interest PD gave a public statement at the October and December advisory committee meeting mentioned, as we discussed earlier, of the transcripts which I read, he said the following. And may continue to engage in public input towards regulatory decisions making around COVID-19 vaccines. PD is also employed by a university that has mandated COVID-19 vaccines for all faculty, staff, and students. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the author and does not necessarily reflect official policy or positions of the University of Maryland. What are they speaking to? They're saying that even though there is no legal definition saying that this stuff works 
we're going to say that you have to take it. That's what the term mandate means. You must take it to remain employed at our facility. You must take it to remain enrolled as a student at our facility. Yet, the University of Maryland does not want to take responsibility for what it says you have to do. Everybody wants to avoid accountability, brothers and sisters. But nobody is saying, don't take this stuff. They're saying, you must take it. But nobody wants to bear the weight of the responsibility of the poison injected into your system. Once again, and as always, this is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. With that said, we're going to take a brief pause with a little... Carlos Santana and Smooth. You guys, you know the beast with a smooth life.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Federal law mandates of emergency use COVID vaccine tests and masks. Amy Viella McBride and Stephanie Lucretio came across the following. With more than 100 U.S. colleges mandating COVID vaccines for in-person attendance and schools enforcing mask mandates, it's critical people understand their legal rights. The bottom line is this. Mandating products authorized for emergency use authorization status, the EUA, violates federal law as is detailed in the following legal notifications. All COVID vaccines, COVID, PCR, and antigen tests, and masks are merely EUA authorized not approved or licensed by the federal government. Long-term safety and efficacy have not been proven. EUA products are defined by definition, experimental, which requires people to be given the right to refuse them. So, what brought all this up? It is under the Nuremberg Code from the Nuremberg German Trials used in Nuremberg, Germany to try so-called Nazi war criminals for crimes against humanity against so-called Jewish populations during World War II. The Nuremberg Code is the foundation of ethical medicine. No one may be coerced to participate in a medical experiment. Consent of the individual is absolutely essential. So there was no Nuremberg Code when you were poisoning us with the Tuskegee experiment and other experimental procedures used upon people of color people with color, melanated people, the darker people of the planet. You didn't think about the Nuremberg Code then in your impassioned desire to experiment on me and mine to make yourselves healthy. However, no one may be coerced to participate in a medical experiment. Therefore, individual consent is absolutely essential. But you're experimenting on the, meta, the, meta, the American people now through an emergency use application. Earlier this year, Mary Holland of the Children's Health Defense, President and General Counsel, and Attorney Greg, Greg Glasser stated that Federal law prohibits employers from mandating EUA COVID vaccines or EUA COVID-19 tests or masks. 
Holland and Glazer wrote, and I quote, if a vaccine had been issued by the Emergency Use Act, the EUA, by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, it is not fully licensed and must be voluntary. A private party, such as an employer, school, or hospital, cannot circumvent the EUA law, which prohibits mandates. Indeed, the EUA law preventing mandates is so explicit that there is only one precedent case regarding an attempt to mandate an EUA vaccine. So what do you do if your school or your employer says you must get the COVID vaccine? What is your platform to fight back? The mask is one thing. It gives the visual perception of safety for a populace and a population. However, demanding, and it's not invasive, but you're telling me I got to take a shot of some kind of chemicalized product, now you're pushing your limits. So what do you do? The Children's Health Defense Legal Team has written three legal notifications that anyone faced with a COVID vaccine, COVID test, or a mask mandate can make use to inform employers and universities that they are violating federal law, therefore you are violating my human rights as an American citizen. And you can download the three notifications. I'm not going to begin to tell you what the websites are because it's a lot of legal jibber-jabber that you should go to the Children's Health Defense Network and look it up yourselves, or you can go to the Black Hole Radio Facebook page and download it. And you have every legal right, and you are in the right constitutionally to defend yourself in this manner. And your employer must beg off or compensate you to the extreme for violating your human rights. So all of these notifications include this language. Federal law, title USC 360BBB stroke 3E1 A double I 1 dash one 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 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act states the following about products granted emergency authorization usage, the EUA. Individuals to whom the product is administered are informed. One, the secretary. It says that the secretary has authorized the emergency use of the product. That would be the Secretary of the Interior and or the Secretary for the Food and Drug Administration. Two, of the significant known and potential benefits and risks of such use and of the extent to which such benefits and risks are known. And three, 
of the option to accept or refuse administration of the product of the consequences, if any, of refusing administration of the product and of the alternatives to the product that are available and of their benefits and risks. Any entity or organization that requires the EUA COVID-19 vaccination, COVID or taking a COVID-19 test or wearing masks are in violation of the federal law and will likely, and I could almost guarantee it, will face lawsuits if they don't allow exemptions or alternatives. Submitting the, notice, the notices prepared by the Children's Health Defense is the first step prior to seeking an exemption or taking legal action, in which case you get fired from your employee because you don't want to take the vaccine and your employer releases you from your employment. Don't regret. Don't fret. Contact your civil rights attorney and when you come out of that, you will come out financially well off and still get your job back. Stay the course. Weather the storm. Follow the leader, the real leadership of black America who has your best interest at heart. And I don't care who makes bones about it. His name is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who said, don't you take that vaccine. Don't you be no fool. You cannot trust them at their word or their actions because their history does not indicate such. Vaccine exemption laws vary by state. So go to the National Vaccine Information Center to learn more about your particular state's exemptions. It's critical to stand against mandates and preserve legally protected fundamental human rights on issues related to health freedom. Don't fall prey to the coercion of the beast and to its pressure. Use the resources available to protect your legal rights, human rights, and moral rights, moral rights provided to you by God. This is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. And as promised, I got some time left. It is now 7.42 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'm going to give you an Ebola virus update. Just bear with me for a moment. Because Ebola didn't go away. It didn't just disappear. In 2014 through 2016, Ebola went on a rampage. 
Ebola virus, formerly known as Ebola hemorrhagic fever, which is a severe, often fatal illness which affecting humans and what is known as other primates. The virus is transmitted to people from wild animals such as, oh, fruit bats, porcupines, and non-human primates and then spreads in the human population through direct contact with blood, secretions, organs, or other bodily fluids of infected people, and with surfaces and materials, specifically bedding, clothing, and contaminating these with fluids. The average EVD, or Ebola virus disease case, has a fatality rate of 50%. Case fatality rates have varied from 25% to 90% in vast, or rather should say past outbreaks. The Ebola virus of 2014 to 2016 here in the United States was never, never cured and a vaccine was never widely distributed. So what happened to it? Well, mainstream media just stopped talking about it. As long as they didn't talk about it, they know that the sheeps led to slaughter will just forget about it thinking that everything was okay. Well, guess what? The dominant virus reawakening may have triggered an emergence of Ebola. There has been a new outbreak in the island of Guinea. The current outbreak of Ebola in Guinea was probably triggered by someone who was infected five to seven years ago and was unwittingly harbored the virus in their body the entire time. The discovery, which is based on a comparison of the viral genome sequence from patients infected in the current outbreak and the 2014 through 16 West African Ebola epidemic, suggests the virus may be able to survive in the bodies of survivors for four to five times longer than previously thought and still be actively contagious. This, multiplied by the COVID-19 virus, which creates an environment where Cardio and or respiratory conditions reduces the body's ability to function properly, become more susceptible to the increase of Ebola once exposed, therefore laying the groundwork for a reemergence of the Ebola vaccine, which was not eradicated here in the United States. Therefore, it is possible and quite likely, according to the researchers that say, the virus has been laying and lying dormant in millions of people 
who survived the previous epidemic until something triggered it to reawaken, prompting this fresh wave of infections here in the United States. So unless you read the medical journals that travel around, you do not know that Ebola is on the go here in the United States. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. If you ain't got some, you better get some. And what you need to get is some common damn sense. And take the proper precautions to protect yourself, which means you can no longer be lamb left to creep to the slaughter. Use your head for more than a bed rest. Use your mind for something more than licking somebody's behind. And open your spirit up to the word of God in front of you. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. This is Not So Mad Science. I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network, wishing you all well as I have to get back to work. For the bills must be paid. Allah willing and with his grace. In Jesus' name we pray. I'll be back next week. See you then. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.